Hello, and welcome to Savory Passage, the podcast. This episode discusses domestic violence. Please visit our website at www.savorypassage.com for additional information on today's topic. Here's your host, Sandra Jones. Greetings and welcome. I could say good morning or evening, but the truth is you can listen to podcasts anytime. So whatever time you chose to listen, thank you for joining us. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence or intimate partner violence is defined as one individual systematically abusing another to gain power or control in a domestic or intimate relationship. The abuse can be either of five types, emotional, which includes verbal or psychological, financial, spiritual or cultural, sexual, and physical. There are three phases to the abuse cycle, typically beginning with tension building, escalating to violent episodes, and finally, reconciliation, which is not the end of the cycle and actually may restart the cycle. Did you know that 24 people per minute, per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in the United States. This equates to more than 12 million victims per year. I think it's important to note that domestic violence is not a woman issue or a girl issue. It is our issue. One in four women, one in seven men, And one in 10 high school students suffer intimate partner abuse in their lifetime. Additionally, most female victims were previously victimized. For other statistics applicable to both male and female victims, please visit our resources on the website at www.saverypassage.com or directly from the domestic violence website located at www thehotline.org. Today, I'm pleased to share the mic with two lovely young women, each with a story to share. It is not a story that will make you smile, but is one of strength and graceful emergence. Their stories are a needed message to everyone within ear or sharing range. It is a message that no one is exempt. This could happen to you. And domestic violence does not consider if you are a strong, independent woman. When you listen to the stories, keep in mind the takeaway that true love asks for nothing. These words were written by Stevie Wonder in his song entitled As. As you listen to their stories, pay attention to the red flags and the actions these women took to be aware of, to avoid, or remove yourself from a situation. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome our first guest. She has many talents, namely a businesswoman helping other women beautify their appearance. She is also a minister, very involved in her church activities, and author of Finding Peace, Peace by Peace. Let's welcome Tierra Tuggle. And Tierra, would you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, as said, my name is Tierra Tuggle, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm a business owner. I, um, I'm in the beauty industry. I do hair, makeup, 
you name it, anything beauty, I'm possibly doing it or did it at some point. And um, I'm also a minister. Um, the church I belong to uh, is the Garden of Prayer Christian Church, where my mother is the pastor now. Um, before it was my dad, before he passed away, he was the pastor. Um, so now my mom has taken over and I'm now a new author as well. Yes. Okay. So I have read the book. And what I'd like to say is in your book, you juxtapose a puzzle to the pieces of your life. And I love that analogy. Can you tell us a little about how you came up with that concept? Yes. Yeah, so um, like I kind of said in the book, I actually love puzzles. <laughs> it's so calming and relaxing and everything like that. So um, and then I, I, you know, looked at my life as a puzzle, you know, no one really truly understands it. You see, when you see it, it's kind of like you think you know how to do it. You, you know how to put the puzzle together. It looks simple, but, you know, it's a bit complicated. And so I kind of looked at my life like that as well. Yes. Okay. Um, using your words in life, you work from the inside out to improve. And it's different for puzzles. One typically... Uh, one typically works from the outside to complete the picture. So would you care to elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. Um, so I, I go back to, you know, I, my biblical roots, um, you know, when they say, you know, when you come to Christ, you, you change from the inside out. Your outside appearance may still seem a little rough, but, you know, you change on the inside. And um, with the puzzle, it's kind of like, you you know, it's easier. To, under, to put the puzzle together from the outside in because you can kind of put the parameter, you can kind of get a, a idea of what the puzzle may look like once you put the, you know, the pieces together around it. But it's really about the inside that really matters. Wow. So your words were raw, as were your feelings, and it shows on the pages. You spoke about being verbally abused and emotionally drained. Some might say that, and I'm using my air quotes here, huh? you are too young to endure such pain. You also stated that you didn't know how you were supposed to feel. And when I read that, it, it tore at my heart. I wanted to cry for you. I really did. So can we sit here for a minute and without revealing too much, because you do want people to read the book. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, tell us about the, that part of your journey, and I'll give you a chance to respond to each question. Yes. So the first question, um, so about the verbal and the emotional abuse that, you know, initially I really didn't know. Um, growing up, my mother um, and my grandmother, my grandmother was in an, a physically abusive relationship. And, you know, my mom always taught me, you know, never let a man touch, you know, hurt you, hit you, things like that. And I think um, us as a people, we forget about the verbal part and the emotional abuse that sometimes um, we as women endure. And because we so focused on the physical part that we sometimes forget. And um, I think my mindset was strictly on, you know, abuse is physical, you know, that's because that's what we see. So once I got out of that relationship and I went to therapy and I know we'll hit on that later. Um, once I, 
you know, went to therapy, you know, I was told, and I talked to a few friends, they were like, you, that was an emotional and an abusive relationship you were in. And I had no idea. I just thought that was not necessarily the norm because I know I didn't see my parents or see my mom go through that with um, my dad or anything like that. But um, the person I was with, I was with since I was a teenager. So that was all I knew. So I just kind of figured it would get better over time, but it didn't. So yeah, I actually didn't realize that I was in an emotional um, and verbal abusive relationship until I got out and went to therapy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you rest referenced the use of therapy. And as you know, a lot of African-Americans shy away from seeking uh, treatment. So mm -hmm. what would you say to a family member or a friend to encourage them to get needed help? I'm like pro-therapy, 100, 1,000%. I'm pro-therapy. Um, you know, initially when I did talk, share with my parents that I wanted to go to therapy because I was depressed and I didn't understand where it was coming from. I'm like, I don't, I'm happy I'm out of that relationship. So, you know, why am I upset? But it was the emotional and verbal abuse that, you know, kept running through my mind and it was really depressing me and I, I truly didn't understand. So I'm pro, I, when, once I realized that something was off with me, you know, I went to my parents and I said, I, I think I need to talk to someone, um, you know, because they were my parents and my pastors, you know, church folk, we go to our pastor first, but, you know, I didn't feel like I could really go to my parents because they were my pastor. So I had to go to an outside source who, you know, professionally knew how to help me. And um, so I'm, I'm pro therapy. It's okay. It's okay to talk to someone. It's okay to let out your feelings, your emotions. It's healthy and you will feel a million times better. I, I promise. I promise you will. And I'm the most guarded person you'll probably ever meet. Like I, you know, I don't want anyone to know that I'm, I'm struggling or, you know, I'm going through things. So being in therapy was, was tough for me because I had to let my guard down. I had to be vulnerable. And once I broke that barrier, it was, it was a good, it was good. It was good. Well, thank you for that. Hmm? Um, another important aspect of your life, your ministry. So hmm. likened to Footprints in the Sand, one could surmise and you emphatically state that the hand of God quietly guided you, which eventually led to your current role as a minister. Give us an idea of what your journey, your path looks like in that area. Yes. So um, being a preacher's kid, you know, most PKs, they try to be far away from ministry and the church as possible. They may attend, but they don't, you know, that's not their, their life goal to be a minister or to be like their parents or whatever. Um, the case may be. And for me, I was the same way. I, you know, I was like, no, I want to be this uh, celebrity makeup artist, hairstylist. I want to move to California, you know, things like that. But um, once my dad became sick, you know, I had to help. And initially, I, I will admit that um, what I did as far as ministry was really to help my dad. It wasn't um, because I really wanted to, you know, do ministry and things like that. It was more so just to 
I had to help my dad. And once, you know, I started doing it more and then, um, you know, God started to change me and speak to me. Then, you know, I began to find my love for ministry and I saw how much it helped people. And then, you know, I knew I always knew I had a calling on my life. I didn't know what it was. My dad will always say it was preaching. And I'm like, no, I don't even like to talk in front of people. <laughs> so I knew that wasn't it. But, you know, in the God's own time, he had it to be the way he would, you know, wanted it to be. Um, so as far as ministry now, you know, I was being prepared as a child and I didn't even realize it. Um, my dad would take me here, there, everywhere. And, you know, now that he's no longer here and my mom is pastor, I'm kind of helping her as well. You know, little things that because my mom was a, a teacher, so she worked. So while she was at work, I was with my dad a lot, um, you know, after school. So ministry things, you know, certain little things that you may not pick up on. I kind of recognize them now more so than my mom. So I'm there to help her. So it was, it's just all it all came together when, you know, once uh, my dad passed. So ministry was something I never wanted or wanted to be a part of. But, you know, you can't stop what God wants to be. So <laughs> what do they say when what what God has for you is for yes. you? Yes. Yes. That, that's what stands out. Yes. OK, I, w- I want to give you an opportunity to speak freely. What any words of wisdom that you want to pass on to young women? And young and young men, because yeah. domestic abuse, as I said uh, earlier, um, is is not just for women. Exactly. So, or does not only uh, involve women. So, um, just an opportunity to say whatever is on your mind, whatever you care to share. Absolutely, um, I think it's important as uh, young young people to realize that abuse. Um, it's not only physical, like we stated er- earlier, it is physically, it's emotionally, um, it's verbal. Um, so, you know, just be aware of certain things. You know, if, if you don't, if you've been brought up in a household or you're by your grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever, and you didn't see, you know, that type of activity that, you know, may be happening in your relationship, that's a sign to get out. Or if you feel as though, because at at one time I thought I could change the person, (laughs) but no, I I couldn't change them and I had to get out. And um, so definitely look at the signs. If they're calling you out your name, if they're constantly um, downing you, you know, talking about your physical appearance, your weight, your hair, you know, any little thing that, you know, that's, that's not love. It's not love at all. And, you know, initially, you know, with sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, that, that's so not true. Like words really hurt and they, they almost kind of stick more so than, you know, someone possibly blacking you in your eye, you know, because the, the world can see your black eye, but no one can see the words that, that hurt your heart. And then, you know, you don't usually express to others, you know, those things that people have said in your relationship. So I definitely um, just advise young men and women because women, we we can say some words too that, you know, can definitely hurt a man and can uh, uh, affect their um, confidence and things like that. So 
Um, if you just feel, if you're constantly being hurt verbally, emotionally, you know, definitely get out as far as you can. Uh, you know, I, I actually knew I was supposed to be out, but it literally took for God to knock me down and say, if you don't get out this relationship, someone will either be dead or in jail. And I was not willing to figure out which one. So I said, <laughs> okay, God. I hear you loud and clear now. I had signs, I had warnings, but I just ignored them. But it took for him to say it to me for me to for it to click. So you don't want to get to that point. So if you you know little signs and things like that, just take heed to those signs for sure. I'd like to thank you for opening up your heart, for opening, using your voice, using what God gave you to hopefully get a message, this message, and a very strong message to young people, young people, middle-aged people, whoever is within a listening distance of our voice. And just to help them to know that there are resources and we will be giving those resources out at the end of the show. Uh, Our next guest is the creator of With Love Noel, the self-love blog, and more than just a black girl, Alexis Easley. Alexis, what do you want our listeners to know about you? Can you give us a, a, a high-level overview of your story? I would like um, your listeners to know that as the creator of the self-love blog, I am here to endorse all things self-love. I'm here to aid any and everyone on their self-love journey, as well as continue mine. and. Um, show people the good, the bad, and the ugly of the self-love journey and how beautiful the end result can be. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, I was in an abusive relationship for a little over two years. And um, in the beginning, I was in a very unhealthy place. mentally, which I believe may have been a reason for me missing so many red flags, for me ignoring so many things that, you know, I really should have been not okay with. Um, And it's definitely been a process um, since it's been about a year since I have come out of that. And it's still very hard. It's still very um, painful. The healing process is not as pretty as some may like it to be, but it is, I am healing and I am growing from that with therapy and a lot of patience with myself. Okay. If we could ask you a few questions. So in your overview, you shared some of the pitfalls of being in a toxic relationship. For example, you mentioned grooming. Would you talk to us about the significance of grooming? Um, Yes. So I'll start with the definition. Grooming is when someone is trying to mold you into their vision of how they want you to be or, you know, certain things that they want you to do. Um, And it puts a toll on, you know, yourself because you're not doing any of the things that you want to do. You're solely doing things for them to please them. And nine times out of 10, if you, you know, go, go against the grooming, 
there was always a consequence of some sort. Um, they'll get upset or there'll be an argument or, you know, worse, depending on the situation, of course. And um, it's a very hard thing to experience because most times you don't even realize that it's happening to you. Most times you just, you're like, oh, I'm in love. You know, I want to make my partner happy. But then two years after that, when you go through, you know, all the hell and all the high water that they have put you through, you realize that a lot of the things that you did or were doing, you did not want to do. And you did them in order to please, you know, your partner. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the red flags. In an effort to help other women, what were some of the red flags? Uh, this This question is actually like two, three parts. How does one identify, avoid, and move on from a situation like this? So what can you share with our listeners? Um, the first clear sign as far as identifying them are taking point of their character traits, how they are as a person, not just how they are with you, because that can quickly change. You can't ever, you like never put yourself on a pedestal with your partner because that can very quickly change. So one um, of the main red flags that I you know, notice with anything is a controlling nature. If they are trying to basically put you in a box and say, this is as far as you can go, you cannot leave these four, you know, walls kind of thing. I want you to myself. That's an issue because you then don't have freedom in that relationship. Um, emotional re- manipulation, codependency, um, you know, all those things when you feel as though you know, a lot is if someone tells you, you know, oh, I can't live without you. Like, eh, you can. And that is a red flag for me because then it seems like you're living for me. So if something happens between us, then you're going to then emotionally manipulate me into staying with you when that's not okay. As far as avoiding them, um, I would love to say, you know, that that's easy. That's an easy thing to do. But it's really not. Um, It's you have to get to know someone in order to know their character traits. And sometimes fall a little bit faster than what you originally planned or wanted to. So avoiding them as the best advice that I can give would be to be able to identify them first. And then after, you know they've been identified and you've made it clear that you're not, you know, going to deal with. And I would just run from there, (laughs) honestly. Um, Moving on from these red flags has been a little bit difficult because I'm only just now, you know, being able to identify all of the red flags that I had experienced. And it happens to be a lot, unfortunately. So moving on is more so for me and forgiving myself and, allow myself to heal from the mistake of not being able to identify them not being able to you know avoid them once they were identified okay you you talked about um, emotional manipulation is there anything uh, you'd like to elaborate about that one um sure so emotional manipulation is when someone tries to make you or your emotions change in order to be with them or to stay with them. 
So for, for the example that I had used earlier, if you try to leave them and they threaten to harm themselves, that is emotional manipulation because I'm trying to do what's best for me and you're making me feel guilty for doing so. And that's not fair. That is not right. That's not, you know, a relationship. That's a dictatorship because now I'm, 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 I'm molding myself into what you want me to be on top of how you want me to feel, how you want me to think like that all goes hand in hand. And then eventually you lose yourself because you've allowed yourself to be so vulnerable with this person. And they took advantage of that, unfortunately. Okay. So how is uh, emotional manipulation different from having uh, attachment issues? And what is the impact of, of uh, that attachment issues on the relationship? Um, emotional manipulation is different from attachment issues because we can't always control, you know, when we're attached to someone or something, we can just control what we do about it. And so um, with emotional manipulation, the whole point of you is the whole point of it is you not having any control. Attachment 50-50. You could have control or you could not have control, depending on the situation. Um, attachment issues weighs on the relationship in many ways, only the relationship with yourself. So um, with attachment issues, and I knew that I was attached and I didn't want to be, but I also didn't want to him. So I was constant state of will. Basically, who do I choose to love more? And unfortunately, through a manipulation and grooming, to love more and lost myself in the process because I allowed myself to be so vulnerable with him that he felt like he could have his way regardless of how I felt, regardless of what I said, what I wanted for myself. None of what I wanted mattered in this relationship. Okay. Um, what does the path or the journey to healing look like or feel like to you? Um, it is very... It's not fun at all. Um, <laughs> and I hate to say it like that. I don't want to scare anyone from, you know, taking their, their journey. You should definitely start the healing process, but hear me loudly and clearly. It's not a fun process. It's not easy. It's not pretty. It's very ugly and it's very, you know, detoxifying. And if you've ever done a, det a detox, you know how horrible those can, can be sometimes. So this is, that's basically what, my healing process has been, it's been unlearning a lot of, you know, instilled behaviors. It's, it's the realizations of the red flags. It's the forgiving myself. It's the forgiving him, even though he's not sorry. It's forgiving him for me, not for him. It's me moving on and, you know, still choosing to love, still choosing, you know, to be as happy as I possibly can, despite of what's happened to me. You know, I have chosen to dig deep within myself and find the root of all of my, you know, negative feelings so that I could dig them up and process them. You can't um, heal fully without processing your feelings or emotions, especially the ones that are deep, deep, deep down inside you. You really have to feel in order to heal. You have to, you have to do that. You cannot suppress your feelings. That's not healing. You have to feel through it so that you can heal through it. And unfortunately, our feelings range. We don't only have happy and sad. We don't only have happy and angry. Like we have disappointed. We have, you know, uh, depressed. We have anxious. We have all these different emotions that we need to 
dig up and process why we're feeling this so that we can learn ourselves and be the best version of us so that we can give that out into the world. Wow. So it sounds like you are grateful for the time it's taking you to heal. Yes, definitely. All right, Alexis, I would I'd like to thank you so much for sharing your your story, sharing your journey and um, just giving everyone the information that you've you've shared with us today. So, again, thank you so much for being with us on Savory Passage today. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank our guests for openly sharing this vital information with us today. Parents, listen to your sons and daughters, ask questions, observe for signs. Friends, look out for each other. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to our next connection. Till next time, have a great week, everyone. This concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening. For show notes or available resources, please visit our website at www.savorypassage.com. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or pose questions, please contact us at hello at savorypassage.com. And don't forget to send in your feedback wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time.